Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and I'm joined, as always, uh, with Justin and Michael. We've got a really interesting show today looking at some of the upcoming conventions in the next week and uh, very soon. We cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, hardware, entertainment, travel, and more. You can catch us on our site at sknr.net. And, of course, we also have the radio segment I do each week on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KISW-FM. You can catch the syndicated version on the show page, uh, or you can get it through their app. But the easiest way, honestly, if you are not listening to the show directly or going to their page, is to catch it on our page. We put the simulcast up every Friday. You can go to Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, and see our movie uh, game reviews. And that is a network of eight newspapers we write for. And last but not least is our quarterly magazine. You can get that at Barnes & Noble and other magazine outlets. We have the uh, new issue out right now, and the next issue is due in September. So before we get going on the first topic, wanted to mention that HBO and Warner Brothers Home Video have uh, released the first season set. It's coming very soon for his dark materials and this is the very popular show on hbo and it's got an amazing cast you have lynn manuel miranda james mcavoy many others and the show has got a loaded dvd it comes with the digital version so you can take it on the go and of course they've got the really nice range of bonus materials from the making of the creation of the show behind the scenes and so much more so if you haven't seen the show yet I'm really looking forward to getting into it and trying it out. Um, it's available, I believe next week is when it's uh, street date is, and you've got really good picture and sound quality on this uh, Blu-ray, Blu-ray digital combo pack. So gentlemen, we have Game Developers Conference coming up next week, and it'll be Tuesday through Thursday. For those of you that are not familiar with the uh, convention, it is an industry event that takes place in San Francisco. And traditionally, it is, as the name would imply, for game developers. This is a place that they go to network to talk about anything from programming to um, networking to um, showcasing new engine technology, working licensing. There's tons of stuff. Um, I've seen a couple panels that I'm going to be having a look at. One talks about an app they designed for Disneyland's uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. There's one on motion capture about how they did the most cap motion capture for jedi fallen order things like that the show was supposed to have taken place earlier this year but because of the current uh situation with the pandemic it was originally um delayed to august and then as uh, the situation unfolded it became pretty clear they weren't going to be able to do the um in-person shows as planned so they rolled it over to a digital format so, Michael, why don't we start with you and uh, tell us, what do you uh, think about this and what are you expecting? Yeah, I, I've always really liked uh, GDC from the fact that it is very much a technical um, conference. I think one of the things that we, one of the first things that we got to see about the Sony PlayStation 5 was actually some of the um, deliverables that they were going to be delivering to the GDC conference. You know, where they kind of talk more in depth about, you know, the... the hardware, the programming, the development, and less about the playability of stuff. So you get to see, in particular, when they had the Sony PlayStation 5 event earlier this year, you know, they kind of talked about how the um, NVMe drives work, 
how they're how it speeds up things, how the the console manages, um, you know, the SSDs, all that kind of stuff, right? So it's always a bit more of a, a technical showcase to kind of you know bring developers from the industry together, bring their hardware partners together, folks like Nvidia or AMD, to kind of discuss you know what's coming out of the new chipsets, how can developers utilize these um, the components and, and it all kind of goes into how do we make better games, you know, for, for a whole. So it's a lot more of a, a conference setting. It's a lot more of a um, focus on, you know, the developers themselves on, you know, learning new tricks of the trade. Bringing, um, one of the things I think that people kind of miss out on being virtual that they kind of really use this conference for is networking. So there's a lot of networking that goes on during GDC between uh, various companies, both the software side and the hardware side. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how um, how much of that networking they can still maintain with it going into a virtual format. That being said, it's not all technical stuff, right? I, one of the things that they're going to be showcasing, which I thought was kind of funny, is they're going to have bring in some speedrunners um, who come in and they're going to show the developers how they break their games, right? And for those who are familiar with what speedrunners do, they'll take a game that's popular that may take 30, 40 hours to complete and they will complete it within 10 minutes sometimes. A lot of times utilizing game-breaking bugs to flip through worlds, to drop through um, mazes, that sort of thing. But it's kind of interesting because it'll kind of show how the speedrunners exploit the programs so they can do this, and then how do the developers account for for those types of exploits. Again, not that speedrunning is necessarily a bad thing, but it does kind of, like, how do we tighten up our game so we don't inadvertently cause people to fall through the world or inadvertently um, open up these areas that speedrunners exploit because it actually breaks the experience for normal gamers who happen to stumble across these. Um, and they will talk about, obviously, some games. Like I said, they'll talk about the state of the industry of game development. They talk about um, some of the new stuff upcoming. A lot of hardware focus, which is one of the things I've always found really um, interesting or fascinating about it. They'll also usually talk about things like game engines, whether that be something like how un new, the new Unreal Engine is going to be utilized, what advantages it brings. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really big conference for folks who are really interested in the technical details, the hardware, the software, the development-focused folks. And again, there's still some fun to be had, some games to show off, uh, and that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it just from the fact that it is a lot of um, high-tech stuff, which I really kind of find interesting. And Justin, your take on it, please. Yeah, so I think uh, Michael definitely... Um, highlighted everything that GDC, you know, did a really good job uh, summarizing what GDC has to offer. And it's definitely much less like, you know, there's not going to be big announcements. There's not going to be huge trailers for some big new game. But uh, if you want to know a little bit more about the the technology that is going into new games and like how game developers are thinking about um, designing their games and how they can utilize new technology... Uh, it is definitely a knowledge sharing uh, conference that um, you know if if you're kind of into that like the back end kind of uh, you know inside baseball uh, type of stuff and in, in within the industry then it's definitely something to to tune into um, you know and, and like you said uh, you know the speedrunners is it, kind of involving speedrunners is a is a great way to um, you know kind of show that sort of back-end type of uh, of stuff that people don't really think about so much, like, you know, th those bugs and trying to find those bugs and how they can design around them. Um, 
so yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting, uh, especially now that we're in a online environment. Uh, I wonder, you know, it, it, obviously they had some more time to uh, to plan it out, um, given that they have to do this digitally now. But um, we'll have to kind of see uh, what they cover this year. Yeah, and the thing too that it's really important, I think, for people to know is they do have registration at GD. Uh, ccconf.com, so gamedevelopersconference.com. And uh, what is interesting is that I, you, you summarized it very well, Justin and Michael, that it's not the place that you go to play all the latest games and to get all the latest news. This is an industry event that is designed for the people who work in the industry. They do have a media presence, and traditionally we send somebody who lives in the area to cover it and what he's told me in the past is that you know they go into the center in san francisco moscone center and it is a very large event it takes up a lot of space there are the meeting invites for the press where some people will say hey we have this game coming and uh we'd like to show it off to you and that sort of thing some of them are in hotel rooms or suites some of them are in the conference center but as he told me there is also a main floor and one of the uh, interesting things about this is that um, you don't know what you're going to get like some years you could go out there and oh wow look at this Sony has got this big floor space and oh wow Activision's got this big space what are they showing here and then other times you go in and it's more of a oh look here's some new uh, router software uh, you know to enhance your networks and um, things of that nature so he said it, it is kind of a mixed situation this year of course we don't have the main floor so we have uh the panels and like um it's it, it's a very eclectic mix i mean there there are panels like on yoga and they start at seven in the morning and they go up uh, you know well into the evening and so one of the tricks that you have to do is you either scroll down these exceptionally long lists and find the panels that you're interested in, or you uh, essentially use keywords and try to find topics like, for example, I put in Star Wars, and that's how I found two panels that I was really interested in. And you add them into your queue, you look at it, but then there's also these little networking things where you can go and you can look up various people and request to connect with them and i guess you can have little chat rooms and network that way so it'll be really curious to see how that plays out and again that's going to be taking place this tuesday through thursday completely online another event that is taking place online and is coming up this weekend is quakecon and they are going to be doing their online presence from Friday, August 7th through Sunday, August 9th. We have the full schedule online. And we will start with Justin this time out. So let me let me just go over the first day. There's not really as much for, um, for Friday. And the first thing I noticed was that um, they go with an Eastern time slot. Okay, that's fine. They're an East Coast-based company, Bethesda. And starting off with QuakeCon Digital Welcome with Pete Hines, who's the head of their PR and marketing, 12 p.m. Eastern, obviously 9 p.m. Pacific. Now, here's what I find really interesting. The next panel is representation in video games. That's at 5 p.m. Eastern. 
So what are they, I, I just, I don't see them doing a five-hour panel on what games are coming because they've been pretty adamant about that's why they didn't do something around E3 because they were not ready to announce the things that they had coming. They've, um, you know, they got Doom Eternal out. They were able to get the big update for Fallout 76 um, out. So why do you think there's such a gap between panels? That is a very good question. Um, well, like you said, they did not do anything around the normal E3 time that they normally do a, uh, a large event. Um, so hopefully this means that they are a little more prepared uh, with the, the projects that um, have been in the pipeline for a long time. Um, now, I hear, just a, a thought as to why there's such a big gap there. So um, obviously they're... Uh, their keynote address is going to have like the big announcements. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they're going to have some announcements as to what what they've been working on. Um, but potentially the after their keynote address, um, my guess is that they're probably going to have several different streams uh, showing the new games, um, which could you know take a few hours uh, if they're doing one after the other. Um, the games that are a little bit closer to being released, maybe in the next year or year and a half, maybe they're in a playable state. So uh, I could see them, you know, after the keynote address that have all the announcements and the, you know, the, the actual presentation that uh, potentially they could go into more of a streaming format where, uh, you know, players sit down, not act, you know, obviously people within QuakeCon or uh, within Bethesda sitting down with the developers and, uh, and basically playing through demos and, maybe a more long-form format of uh, going through the gameplay of these games that are upcoming. Um, that's the only thing I can really think of that would justify why, you know, there's such a large gap here between their first panel and their, their next one. Um, but uh, at least that's that's what I'm hoping for, because uh, that would be pretty cool if, if we're able to see, you know, a little some of these games more in-depth than we normally do. And, Michael, I'm going to get your response in a second. I just wanted to read an intro um, from Bethesda. We're just over a week away from the kickoff of QuakeCon at Home, the global online event that will bring the fun and camaraderie of QuakeCon to the safety of home. We're excited to celebrate the 25th annual QuakeCon with a global superstream featuring a full weekend of nonstop live content. Notice the key there, folks. Nonstop live content from around the world. The schedule is packed with three days of celebrity influencer streams, live concerts, charity fundraising, developer panels, and much more. The weekend kicks off with the traditional QuakeCon welcome at 12 p.m. on August 7th, 12 p.m. Eastern, and wraps up at 11 p.m. Eastern on August 9th. Uh, so before I go into the rest of it, Michael, please go ahead and give us uh, your take. Yeah, so I, I was going to kind of echo what Justin was saying as well. I mean, we can expect that they're going to be talking about some ESO updates. Um, they just they just launched a new one recently, um, and they'll be talking probably about that, the, the season going through the rest of the year. Um, probably some state of the Fallout 76 universe um, with they had the Wastelanders update fairly recently, and maybe to provide us some more details of what is coming that way. So I certainly could see some um, them doing some live streaming too, having Twitch streamers or whomever um, either doing um, maybe some Doom uh, 
multiplayer or something along those lines. Uh, they did mention they're going to be giving a, co a free copy of Quake Away for our attendees. Um, and if so, if you go, if you log into Bethesda.net um, during the show, you can download your free um, version of Quake. Uh, that's going to be available for folks. If they meet their $10,000 donation mark, they're going to be giving away Quake 2 um, for those who don't have those games already. Um, and if you happen to have downloaded the, the uh, Quake 2 um, real-time real -time, uh, uh, lighting uh, add-on that they did, you'll have that full version of Quake 2 also. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of focus, obviously, I think, on um, the, the, new, the newer stuff that, that we can expect. Obviously, the, the, they're going to be talking about some of the board games they've got coming out, the Dishonored tabletop role-playing game. Um, which is something that they're going to be uh, providing some more details with as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what what else we might see from a, a new perspective, but I would expect that we'll see um, some ESO stuff and certainly some Fallout 76 stuff as far as what's on the agenda for the release this year. Yeah, I think what I find really interesting is that they um, did say in the past we didn't have anything to talk about, and then they showed off that new game from Arcane during the PS5 reveal and some other content. And so my first thought was, well, okay, maybe they're, you know, let's be honest, it's a lot harder to do what they're doing now. You've had so many people already do streams. This is all focused around their content. And so you can also be in that little, that, you know, quandary of we don't really have a lot to talk about or we're not ready to talk about some various new stuff but we have time we have to fill and but that isn't how they work Bethesda wouldn't be going through all this trouble if they didn't have something to show off but the same token I wasn't expecting anything about new games I thought I would you know we might see some stuff about existing and announced games um, you know for example maybe they'll tell us that hey this is the new update coming for fallout this is the new update coming for doom eternal so on and so forth and so my thought originally was okay so they're going to come out maybe do 45 minutes an hour 90 minutes of this welcome and then that's going to be it and then they'll they'll kind of go blank and it'll be maybe uh webcams where you can drop in and watch various streamers playing the games and stuff like that and then if the next program piece of programming is uh, at 5 o'clock Eastern. And so that it was like, okay, that could work. But then you sit there and you look at the schedule. So you have the welcome at 12, again, all times Eastern. You have the representation and video games panel at 5. There's an uh, interview with actress Geneva Gavankar and lead producer Susan Kath on Prey at 6. And then you have the Doom Eternal panel Hugo Martin and Marty Stratton. Now look at the time. Five to six. Five. Next one at six. Next one at seven thirty. That does look like a more traditional panel schedule. Going to Saturday, you know, you have the Fallout seventy six story podcast at three Eastern. Right after that the Dishonored one at six. But then nothing until eleven o'clock. Again, we have a big gap. You know, you get to Sunday. Fallout 76 Global Community Team Free Play 8 a.m. Dishonored Tabletop at 1. Uh, Quake World Championship Finals 5. And um, watch, I, I don't know who Poiseed is. It must be a streamer or something. Get scared half to death playing the evil within. So you have 
gaps and my thought was okay you know maybe it's all designed so people can watch then take a break come back to it so it's not like you're expected to sit at your computer for three days and watch the thing you can go and have lunch you can go run an errand that sort of thing but then again it comes back to weekend of non-stop live content so that is just what is so interesting because it does seem like there will be I mean obviously they'll be streaming and stuff like that and I'm not trying to be uh, difficult but you know you can't fill a whole weekend just watching people um, stream because that can be one channel of entertainment but as anyone who's ever gone to the show will tell you if you want to watch the gamers you can watch the gamers you want to do this you do this you want to work the floor you do that so is it possible that they have uh, some content they're not announcing yet and if so why go out and release the schedule if you're not done with it it a little bit of mystery that's for sure uh, the other thing that I needed to mention is they have the gear store the proceeds are going to charities so you definitely want to check uh, them out some companies are giving away things uh, from a Doom Eternal Xbox One Doom Eternal PS4 Pro Razer peripherals Alienware keyboards that sort of thing at all ViewSonic monitors so on and so forth you can get the whole list on our site at SKNR.net so hopefully we'll have some really interesting things I I think at the very least we'll get maybe some update news on what is coming for the games that are already um, out and then maybe a couple of the announced things we might get a little bit of an update because um, the only other opportunity is this little uh, event that we're about to talk about now and that is PAX Online now we've talked in the past that PAX Online is going to be nine days 24 hour uh, worth of content and we've speculated on okay what are they going to show who's going to be taking part are we going to get uh, more than indie games is this going to be an opportunity for uh, Microsoft and Xbox who traditionally have been doing their own things but have been regular um, attendees of PAX West to come out and make their big pitch for their consoles before things uh, uh, you know, release traditionally PAX is not where a lot of announcements are made, but that has changed in recent years because they've been adding more and more panels. We've seen the panels, they've uh, asked for submissions, and we've put in a few, that sort of thing. Uh, so let me read this, and then we'll uh, start with Michael, then uh, close it out with Justin. And it says here PAX Online opens media registration. Uh, media registration PAX Online will take place. And I'm just going to skip to some of the keywords. It says, your PAX Online virtual badge will make you eligible for early access and special opportunities with exhibitors and during the show, as well as access to the virtual meeting room with networking opportunities. So I'm going to stop there uh, because we look at all these various shows, the Sony reveal, the Xbox conferences, the... Uh, summer of games, on and on and on, all the things that have been uh, filling in the gaps in C3. Basically, that's watch this stream, sit through hours of content, not really knowing what's coming, with the exception of uh, the Sony and Microsoft, but I'm referring to some of these shows are several hours long. And, oh yeah, as they go on, you'll get some trailers emailed to you from their PR. 
this to me seems like a more traditional version of the show where they are definitely trying to do like a regular media meeting would be. You show up, you get introduced to your rep or whoever's handling your meeting at the booth, you have a little bit of chit-chat, you see the product that they're showing off, maybe get some hands-on time with it, and then they follow up with you. So, um, Michael, what do you think? Yeah, it definitely sounds like they're going to be catering not only to just the fan base, but it does sound like there's some interest in the media as well. I mean, we kind of talked about in the past how um, there was a lot of focus on the fans at PAX and has been less focus on media. Obviously, there were media invited, there were media events there, but PAX has always been kind of a show for the fans, which is kind of the converse of what E3 really was supposed to be, which was more dedicated to the industry and the fans were kind of uh, allowed to come in to partake. Uh, PAX has always been kind of the opposite to that. So yeah, it's very interesting that they're going to have specialized content for media folks, which means you know potentially meeting with developers directly, um, well, virtually obviously, but but with them in, in chat rooms or maybe via you know some sort of uh, video conferencing or something, and then potentially getting some hands-on stuff early. Maybe they're going to be doing some announcements of upcoming games or whatever and we're actually going to see the media folks get treated to that first maybe to allow for them to do some ask some questions and be prepared to you know announce it when it drops i don't know but i think it's very interesting because they do say you know even on their web page you know they have they talk about having you know chat rooms for people to congregate to to interact with you know make friends that sort of thing but they don't really say you know it's free and it's online so there's no real badges there's no real sign up for it there's no real you know differentiation between the fans uh, there. So the fact that they're doing these extra things for the media does make it very interesting to see what they're going to be announcing, what the p potential for um, interesting content from there. So yeah, we'll, we'll be interested to see what they what they have to show. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, definitely. And you know, one thing I'm interested in is just how different uh, organizations and companies try to organize um, their events, given what's going on. Obviously, everybody's going to have a different approach. And I think Gareth, you did a good job highlighting um, how this is sort of a like a more traditional approach, uh, just sort of stretching out the time in, in such a way that, uh, you know, everybody sort of gets a slot. Uh, you know, I think that definitely helps out just because, you know, I have some experience with, with packs and, you know, sometimes you can end up waiting some, some time to, to get in to, to see a game or a particular panel. Uh, but uh, I think this is a, a good way to do it, you know, that way uh, it, it gives us a lot more breathing room for scheduling, um, but I'm, I'm more. I am curious to see what is going to be there because, like you said, it can it can range quite a bit. Whether you know there's a lot of announcements. Uh, there are some packs where there have been quite a few announcements. Usually not for like huge, huge games, but you know indie games and uh, you know kind of like the double A, I guess. Uh, you know, just under a triple A game. Sometimes, you know, you get the, those kinds of announcements there, but some packs are very light in announcements. Uh, it's mostly just panels. So kind of curious to see what, uh, you know, they have in store this year, just because it's such a strange year for, for everybody. Uh, but we'll I'll just have to kind of wait and see. Yeah. And it's, it is very curious because we always love going up to the show and it's a great excuse to go up and uh, catch in. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, my wife went up, the team from Seattle went up, I stayed here, I had something last minute pop up, and my thought on it was, okay, um, we, while we have interviews and meetings and stuff like that, 
it was all for stuff that I'd already covered at E3 and a couple of other things that I had already had assigned to other members of the staff. So I thought, all right, um, let them get a fresh perspective. I remember one year that I went and, you know, at my first glance was okay. Um, you know, covered a lot of this. Now is my chance to get my deeper hands on and, um, it was a great opportunity. Now, last year we talked uh, off air about um, getting in. There was a little bit of a, de well, there was a delay with the media's early hour, uh, mainly because I guess the fire marshal hadn't cleared everyone to go in yet. And by the time it was cleared, our one hour was already gone. So we ended up going in right with everybody. That being said, uh, we went right over to the Sony booth, Predator Hunting Grounds. That was there. Had, was not at E3, of course, you know, Sony wasn't at the show that year, but Predator Hunting Grounds got hands-on time, everyone was fantastic, got into Iron Man VR, got to play it, got to play some other stuff, um, had some really interesting things. One of the staff members had Elder Scrolls Online Dragonhold um, preview, it was done off-site. We had one in a nearby hotel for the Avengers game, which is coming, that from Square Enix, that we got to um, go in, we got to see a pitch from the developers, we got to sit down and play it, and uh, really enjoyed it. So, you had a lot of interesting things, and like you said, traditionally, you don't get um, reveals. I remember that when Duke Nukem Forever was announced there, it kind of blew us all away. You're like, whoa, what's, what's going on here? My take with PAX has always been, this is where you get your quality time uh, you know E3's as Michael knows it's very busy now obviously I'm not saying the time you get at E3 is not quality time what I'm saying is when you get to PAX you often have a more recent build of the game I remember many years at E3 where you would you would sit in a conference room you'd get a pitch for the game you'd see the footage that was it and in recent years they have done more hands-on than you know 10 years ago it just seems to me that we have a lot more hands-on time than we used to and sometimes you get to PAX and you're told well this is the same build you probably saw at E3 other times it's more advanced but they often have time to and they being the developers have more time to sit and talk to you they have time to answer your questions because sometimes at E3 it's like yeah you know we're not ready to talk about that right now or we can't answer that packs it's much more um, hands-on and approachable so like one scenario I was thinking of is I'm just gonna you know toss this out there and we'll say Far Cry 6 that's something um, we've looked at Far Cry games I remember a PAX a few years ago when Far Cry 5 was coming out they had a very elaborate um, set and we also had an off-site meeting with them they showed us uh, Far Cry 5 they showed us Assassin's Creed Origin they showed us um, uh, the crew too, and we got to in a suite, and there was you know like coffee and croissants, and got to play the thing, talk with the developers. There was swag, that sort of thing. Obviously, they can't do that. But what I'm wondering is, um, circling back to the Avengers, that was not on the floor. That was not available to the public. That was a media invite thing only. They had panels, that sort of thing. And I'm wondering if that's probably what we're going to see. We're going to see a case of, hey, there's this game, this game, and this game. Would you like to come in and, into a room, maybe see a new trailer, and ask questions about that? 
And then you might get, hey, folks, and I, again, I'm just spitballing here because traditionally Activision does not take part in this show, but maybe they'll say, okay, things are a little different this year. We're not going to show it to the general public. We're not going to have the whole network and everything like that. But if you come into the room here, we're going to show you the new Call of Duty. We're going to show you a couple of trailers or maybe some exclusive footage. There you go. And that would be about a few weeks before the game is due to hit. So it might be something like that. We'll see. It definitely sounds like they've got some plans. I do think that the new Assassin's Creed and the new Far Cry will probably definitely be a part of the planning. So we'll wrap it up with this. We'll go Justin and Michael. What are you hoping to hear about from the show? Yeah, that's a really good question, just because, like I said, it seems to range pretty wildly depending on the year. Because there have been some years where there was a lot of stuff that was announced and then other years where it was very light. And it usually coincides with just what's going on in the industry. So PAX was used pretty strategically by some companies because they saw that not a lot of other companies were there and they felt like if they announced their game and showed it off there that it was a really good boost for their marketing, which totally makes sense. But given that this year has been so strange for everybody, I'm not really quite sure what I'm expecting, which I think that's sort of exciting just because I could end up being very surprised. At the very least, I think there's going to be obviously a lot of panels, so a lot of different talks about different topics and sort of deep dives into talking about the representation in certain games or how certain games are designed and all that. I think that's a pretty mainstay kind of deal with PAX. The other things, I'm not sure quite how they're going to address the tabletop type stuff just because how do you really kind of talk about those things in a more digital format. So I'm curious to see how they do that as well. And Michael, you'll be the final thought on that today. Yeah, and I agree. I think what I'm kind of hoping we see is there's always been a big indie focus, and there are a lot of indie type titles or less AAA type titles that are potentially being released for the new consoles. So I wouldn't mind seeing some of that if they're going to show some stuff up that's going to be coming out with the new PlayStation 5 or the new Xbox. And then, yeah, the board game thing, we know Gen Con did their thing. I think it was this weekend. I forget. But there is that aspect of it, and it is, again, without having hands on, it's kind of like, oh, look, here it is virtually. You can see how things work and how it's played. But obviously they feel they're going to have enough content to have it running for so long, 24 by 7. So that, to me, tells me they have quite a big lineup, even if it's just panels or discussions. It sounds like they've got maybe even more than they had initially planned for, which is why they're going to try to drive it as long as they are. But, yeah, we'll see. I'll be really curious to see what they announce, what we have coming up, and just seeing how they take this particular convention and how they handle it virtually. Yeah, it's about six weeks, if my math is correct, until it kicks off. It usually happens at the end of August over Labor Day weekend. So I'm really curious, too. Like, are we going to get a rush of announcements, or are people going to hold back and do it there? Because while traditionally it is not where you get announcements, 
there are always surprises. There are many years that you go and, oh, wow, they're here. They didn't, you know, didn't get any emails or anything. And, oh, wow, look at, look at what these guys brought. Or you'll see things that didn't get a lot of press releases, didn't get a lot of buildup, and they've got this massive booth. And you're like, oh, wow, what's this all about? And so it'll be interesting. And, you know, let's not put too fine a point on it. Um, we know there's Gamescom, and we're still waiting to see what Tokyo Game Show, uh, you know, Paris Game Week, all that. For the play it safe, let's say for the predominantly American, Canadian, and um, Mexico, South American audience, this is the last regionalized show that is going to be available for developers to show off their product before the holiday shopping season. And while, yes, more and more people have been moving to do in their own thing they always release trailers they're doing their their showcase a lot of these trailers are mixed in terms of we got to hit the media to get coverage but we also got to satisfy the fans this is going to be a long show where they have a lot to cover and um it is going to be curious so it'll be interesting to see if we get a flood of uh uh, releases. I, I don't know. I mean, this week with Game Developer Conference and QuakeCon, I could see some developers saying, we're going to hold back until it's over, and I could see others saying, nah, the industry's tuned in right now. Let's let's nail it and let's get it out. And that is going to do it for us this week, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you stay safe and well. We'll be back next week. Until then, take care and have a great one.